What's up, senders? Hmm, you downloaded the episode. Thankfully, you did. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 131 of the Segment Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hill, and on today's show, we have special guest Aaron Lutzi in the studio talking all about his pedigree from back when he was a pro trials rider to his time at Red Bull as Red Bull Athlete Manager. And now over to the amazing YouTube channel, Super Rider, and the incredible things that he's doing there and a little taste on what he has planned for the future. I know you guys are going to love this episode. I can't wait for you all to hear it. But before we jump in, special thank you to the supporters of the segment show that bring these episodes to you on a weekly basis. And please take a look at the description for possible promo codes and affiliate links to help out the channel and to help out your pocketbook. Big things going out to YT Industries. Also going out to Tasco Apparel, Tasco MTB, Kenda Tires, Spy Optic for your eyeglass solution on and off the trail. And of course, Kapu Coffee, helping me help get kids on bikes through Kapu Coffee. Without further ado, a few more words from these sponsors and we'll get you all into the show. Hi, I'm Mark Hill and this is the segment, the podcast. I believe in human's potential, that the ultimate expression of oneself is achievable. And we all have that urge, that need to progress and become better. And I feel that the trail can help us do that. Whether it's overcoming fears, learning from mistakes, taking calculated trail risks, or building those long lasting friendships. It's all progression. Join me as I speak with folks who are moving from the ordinary to the extraordinary, and let's catch them on their journey towards the KOM of their life. Welcome to the segment. Let's go. Yo, what's up, senders? We are back. This is episode 131, and this is Aaron Lutzi. What's up, Aaron? How's it going, man? Good to... <laughs> Good to see you again. Dude, it's good to see you too. For the folks that are tuning in, Aaron was on the podcast uh, back on episode 24. I mean, literally, I didn't even have a studio back then. Aaron, I, I don't think Super Writer was even a thing yet. It was close to it. Just starting out, I believe. Yeah, you were early, man. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I can you, spot uh... talent when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I think that may have been even one of my first ever podcasts that I was that I was on. And um that was such a cool moment in time too, because I was still kind of figuring out what I was doing and really getting into, you know, everything that we were trying to put together for Super Rider and what it was eventually going to be. But that was still so early on. And uh, yeah, it was cool. That was a blast. I remember you and Chris, Triple Whip One, uh, jumped on the show and you guys talked a lot about where mountain biking kind of was, what influenced it and where it was going. And we went through the whole gamma. And then for the folks who don't know you yet, Aaron, from, from my audience, Aaron is a sick trials writer, and he does these cool skills videos that really is all about bike handling. And it comes from that trials world, which is epic. We've all heard of folks like Danny McCaskill who are out there doing amazing things. And if you can master just to be able to bike handle you can take that skill to whatever you're doing out there, which is amazing. And Aaron has built this incredible channel. He's at 79,000 subs on YouTube. He's he's going to get the silver play button very soon. I just know it, which is going to be awesome. I can't wait. 
Um, but yes, um, Aaron, for the folks who haven't met you yet, take them back a little bit to some of your pedigree before Superwriter was even a thing. What were you doing kind of like back in the day? I think it all kind of begins. Um, I got into mountain biking in high school and I, I was the smallest kid in my class and I definitely couldn't keep up with my friends who are much bigger and stronger than me. Bro, and high five, so, high five on that. Five. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but I still loved bikes. I loved everything about bikes. I was super into the, you know, everything about it. And I grew up in Wisconsin, so it wasn't like I could go to races. I just lived through media magazines and, you know, video stuff and whatever else. And so that was like how I consumed the sport. And even though I wasn't the strongest rider, I still found a way to, to, you know, get into it. And for me, trials was kind of this great equalizer because it was like, I might not be able to catch you on a, on a straightaway, but like this sketchy rock uphill, like I can right past you because I've got the technical riding skills to do it. And, um, in Wisconsin too, like you can only ride a couple months out of the year. So I was doing a lot of time in my parents' basement, like riding over pallets and practicing front wheel and back uh, wheel and all these different things. And all spot. that would play into the mountain biking stuff that I would do in the summer with my friends. So it kind of balanced out what I didn't have in physical ability I could make up for in technical ability. And actually, like even nowadays, I kind of think it's interesting where you can actually buy power. Now you can get an e-bike. Yeah. You don't have to work out. You don't have to <laughs> worry about endurance. You just press the button, but right. te technical skill, like you can't really fake the funk. Like you have to put the time in to be able to learn how to handle a bike and all the technical stuff kind of transfers over no matter what you're on. And clearly like the trials background has helped me out a lot, but what I'm doing now is a lot more, uh, I'm, I'm trying to take those core principles from trials and adapt them to teach people how to manipulate their mountain bikes and e-bikes and all kinds of other bikes as best they can. So I rode trials. I became a pro trials rider. I did that whole thing. And then, um, after a while, uh, I picked up a camera. My roommate in college was actually super into filming and editing and all kinds of stuff. And so he taught me how to edit. And so I'd be going on these uh, road trips and going to contests and stuff. And I would bring a camera with me to the, the contest and then I'd come back and we'd edit all the footage together. And so I got really into the video side of things. And this is like early internet days. So um, we were oh, still like putting stuff on DVD and whatever else and we were oh, making man. little films and stuff like that. And that kind of led into like, it turned out I was better at making videos than I was at being a pro rider and competing wow. at the highest level. Wow. And so I got really into making films and, and, uh, and then I got involved with a couple other, um, event production groups and, and stuff like that, where I would go to like Red Bull district ride, but then I would make the video for it that would go on Freecaster and, and would go, this is like pre YouTube days even, but we would make wow. videos of mountain bike teams. And then we put that on the company's website. So Eric Porter and I got to be really good friends because we were doing stuff with gravity where I was on the gravity trips with Porter and everybody else. And I would make the video, but you couldn't put it on YouTube because YouTube didn't exist. So that wow. we would just put it like on the gravity website as like a flash file or whatever. Wow. And, and, uh, and then that just like kept going and kept going. And 
uh, you know, Porter gives me a hard time. He's like, man, if you just hung on a couple more years and just started putting it on YouTube, like you'd be way ahead of all of us. <laughs> You're like, Derek, Eric, stop. Don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> Better late than never. But, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, you know, that was really, that really started it off. And, and then I, I got to work with Freecaster, which, you know, a lot of people don't know about them because they were so early on, but what Red Bull did with the world cup and world championships and all that stuff was actually started by Freecaster. They were the original live stream UCI world cup world champs. We brought Rob Warner into the, you know, kind of back into the picture. He wow. was a world cup racer. Then he was kind of like, off doing whatever we kind of i don't know the right word to say but we brought him back and uh and then we back into the ethers (laughs) yeah yeah and uh and so we brought him back in and uh you know now he's obviously a big part of the mountain bike scene then but when he first started doing it it was uh it was pretty loose so uh we did the whole freecaster thing and then i i got a job offer to work for red bull and so um you know by this like as time went on, I was like riding less and, and filming myself less and filming other people and doing all these other things more. And so by the time I got to Red Bull, I was still the bike guy, but I was doing athlete marketing and event marketing and stuff like that. And um, I got to bring on a bunch of uh, bike athletes into the Red Bull roster. So um, amazing. Man. there's Kate Courtney's jersey back there. I signed her to Red Bull. I signed this is a picture of Carson Storch. I signed him to Red Bull. Yeah, Carson, um, my man. Yeah, so we got to we got to do a lot of really amazing projects with a lot of amazing riders. And um, actually, this uh, this right here is I don't know if you ever saw the the film uh, that Paul Basagoidi put out. It was called Any One of Us. But this oh. is actually um, this is an Emmy from from that movie. Holy so okay. uh, that film was I don't if you're not familiar. Paul was riding at Rampage had a crash, had a spinal cord injury. And basically the, the short version is as like someone who'd been his friend for like 15 or 20 years at that point, but also somebody that worked for Red Bull, there needed to be somebody that was kind of running point to like, make sure he's okay, make sure he's recovering all these different things. So I kind of raised my hand there. And so I spent a lot of time kind of helping him through that process. Um, And, uh, and I saw him filming a lot of stuff and I said, what are you going to do with all this footage? Like, I see you filming your recovery and whatever, like what's going to happen with, with all this stuff. And he was like, I don't know, maybe I'll make like a YouTube video or something, or I don't know. And I was like, let me, let me just make a quick phone call. And so we took it and Paul and I went in after he got out of the hospital and, and all that stuff, we went to Red Bull and we said, I feel like there's a story here because we had to learn so much about spinal cord injury while he was recovering from it of like, what should we do? Where should we go? What are the things we should expect? And wouldn't it be cool if we could make a film that kind of like helped people go through that process by watching this film, get like a field guide of like, what do you do? And Mm. it's not like the happiest topic by any means, but it's like useful. And so we, we got them to basically like, yeah, we'll make this film. And so the film is really, I mean, it's an incredible, you know, it's his story, but it's also wrapped with like eight or nine people. We call them the chorus. So it's all these other people who had spinal cord injury and they're talking about their stories at the same point as he's like experiencing it in his footage. So they come from different backgrounds, not mountain biking, but like somebody got like hit by a car, had a basketball accident, surfing, fell off a roof of a house, whatever. And they're telling like, oh, in this point of my story that Paul is experiencing, this is what I was going through. So 
so yeah, the, the range of projects that I got to do when I was at Red Bull was pretty, pretty substantial. <laughs> That's phenomenal, man. And yeah. that one's crazy too, because like, obviously congrats on the Emmy with that video, but as well as not knowing the outcome, not knowing if he was going to ever be able to utilize his limbs again. Right. I mean, we didn't know at the time yeah. he was going to be able to make that comeback. Yeah. And you know, the, the wildest thing is at the time e-bikes were just kind of coming around and they were just getting to the point where people were trying to figure out what to do with them. And truthfully, if e-bikes hadn't existed, I don't know if Paul would have gotten back on a bike, but then he got on the bike and he was like, Oh, this is enough of an assist that I can ride again. Like, all right, let's go. And now he's like doing his Ripping. thing. Like he's <laughs> crushing it. Yeah. So. Somebody, somebody give him back an analog bike so we can all feel like mortal again. <laughs> he's crushing dude. Yeah. That is so crazy. Um, Aaron, let me pause you real quick there because I love where this is going. Uh, let's check in with the chat real fast. I see everybody's popping in. Um, I completely blew it and I forgot to give the whole shot award. <laughs> but the whole shot award, Aaron, is going to go out to it's the first person that makes a comment at 630. And oh my God, we're close. Okay, so we had Trail Pimp on there. He's saying, let's party 627. Marty Octodad out of New Zealand was at there at 628. Trail Monster out of Arizona said, yep, yep. T629 and Trail Pimp takes it at 630. And he even said Trail Monster wins it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's so close. It was so down to the wire. Um, but this guy, this is uh, this is for you, Mr. Trail Monster. Almost had it. You can smell it. Yes, you can. You can smell it. It's almost there. And then uh, for you, Mr. Uh, Trail Pimp, this one's for you. You won! Congratulations. <laughs> you won the whole shot of word, my brother. <laughs> Oh man, you know, we got uh, Marty. He has a question for you. If it's okay, Aaron, we'll just jump in. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Keep these pretty interactive so uh, the, the, the folks are able to be a part of the show. Uh, Marty out of New Zealand saying, Question What makes dirt jump bikes so good for jumping? I mean, I'm definitely not the expert when it comes to dirt jump bikes, but what I've seen is that that short chain stay on there. And actually, street trials bikes are really similar. I love having that really short uh, chain stay. Just I feel like I have the most control when I've got that bike like that. So um, the bikes are really similar, actually. Like a, a good street trials bike mimics a, a dirt jumper. The bottom bracket will be a little bit higher, but it's about the same. But I'm a big fan. Like anytime I'm picking out any hardtail bike like that, it's always the the short chain stay because I just feel like I have the most control over the bike. Nice. Um, that's for me. Yeah. Nice. And that's what we see you on video. We see you on that Santa Cruz hardtail. What what bike is that? Yeah, that's a Santa Cruz Chameleon. Um, I got it off a of pink bike actually in 2020. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's uh I just was looking for a mount like any kind of mountain bike that I could do some mountain bike tutorials on. And uh I'd I'd ridden a chameleon years and years ago. I had one actually before I got a proper trials bike, I rode on a Santa Cruz Chameleon that was like sort of modified for trials. And so I knew the geometry would work. And, uh, this guy had one for sale on, uh, on pink bike and I picked it up and, and, uh, brushed it off. And <laughs> so the bike I use on my channel is total hand me down. That's sick, dude. Yeah. That's sick. 2020 bikes were like literally really hard to find. Yeah. So that yeah. that's an epic, that's an epic grab. Mm -hmm. I'm, <laughs> I just, sure. 
I just got my hands on a on a Marin e-bike for uh, so I'm doing a couple of tutorials on this on this e-bike for a bit of a series. And uh, yeah, I've been having a blast on that thing. That's like the first proper e-bike I've been able to ride and kind of goof around on. And it's I can't wait to go back to the Santa Cruz because I feel like I've been weightlifting for the past, <laughs> you know, like it's He's like all strong. Yeah, it's like twice the weight of my Santa Cruz. So I'm just like, oh, it's good to get back <laughs> on that bike. <laughs> That's going to be insane. Yeah. It's going to be insane. I love the videos that you put out there with that e-bike. And I think one of them, you were teaching us how, I felt this too on my on my YT decoy, like trying to learn how to manual, just trying to get my hips back behind the back axle and getting that lift. And uh, the title that you put on that video really got my attention. It was all about like, does it really does the weight really matter for certain things? You know, like getting that lift, moving that weight around. And so, yeah, I watched that video and I was like, oh damn, he's doing it on the e-bike. This is insane. <laughs> yeah. The, the, it's the same thing. How I was saying earlier, you can do this stuff on any bike and it's these principles, right? So there's like the principle of unweighting where you're using your body weight, which is <laughs> even though the e-bike is pretty heavy, like I definitely weigh more than it. So like, how can I use my body weight to, to really lever the bike? So it's like that. There's also this principle of the pedal scoop, which is like, no matter what set of pedals you're using, you can still lift up your back wheel with it and stuff like that. But the unweighting is such a huge unlock where if you, if your body weight is on the other side of the bike, it just makes, you know, that opposite side so light, you can do anything you want. And the faster and farther you move, the easier the whole thing becomes, right? So you learned that when you saw the front wheel one, uh, the video that comes out on Saturday is about how to lift your back wheel up. So we talk a lot about the pedal scoop talk a lot about unweighting and those two things i mean you could do pretty much anything on the bike and most of the stuff when it comes down to like actual trials is those two things plus like knowing when to push on the pedals and when to let go of the brakes like if you can get those four things figured out you could pretty much do anything on a bike which is pretty incredible that's pretty cool man that's really cool and i love how you always say practice makes progress because those are things that we could literally do in the garage all year long you you don't need to have like a big 3000 acre space to learn those skills they're going to help you when you're out on the trails which i i super super love um let's see where were we we were uh before i i i got us over to the chat and i just love seeing everybody over here guys where was i where was i where was i he was oh yes red bull <laughs> so you were your red bull uh manager there for athletes signing all these athletes Dude, what was that like? Was that was that cool? Was it scary? If you had to sign them, did you also have to let them go once yeah. their term ran? Yeah, that was the hardest part. And oh. when uh, when newer athlete managers would get hired or join or you know whatever, I would I would always tell them really savor that moment when you hand them the helmet because you might have to be the person that takes it back. And oh. those are the worst days, guaranteed. But also because Red Bull does their homework of who they're going to sign, it's not typically like a one to two year thing. You normally, the athlete usually gets a chance to kind of let it run. And so the average tenure of most Red Bull athletes is, you know, it's like 10 years or so. Um, wow. Some some double that, some even longer, right? And wow. I think yeah. I think it's because they do their homework at the upfront of like, is this person going to be in it for the long haul do they have what it takes to like really make it can we do things to positively impact their career 
so much of what I did at Red Bull was, yeah, scouting and signing, but it was mostly supporting, like giving them the resources that they needed to be successful and finding the ways to add that 1%. Like, what does Kate Courtney really need? She's got the best bike. She's got the best trainer. She's got the best, you know, stuff to ride. Like, where can I come in and add one more percent to, to her program? And that was like the the job at Red Bull was like, how do you find these elements that are just going to like take the athletes to, to a different level? And it, imagine having someone who's always looking out for you to find the edge that's going to help you be successful. That was my full-time job. I had, you know, eight to 15 athletes at any given time. And my only real job other than trying to find the next athlete that I was going to sign was how do I find these people like, how do I find an edge for them to become even more successful? Like what thing can I get access to that I can pass along? And how do I, you know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting there too, is you have all these athletes from all these different sports. So like I manage everything from gaming, ultra running, whoa, skiing, snowboarding, like, whoa. yeah, everything. So, um, imagine like what could a gamer teach a mountain biker or what could, the roller derby world champion teach Carson Storch, you know, like wow. all these different sort of like cross pollinations between different sports, they all come together and they're all the most elite. So you got the best skateboarder talking to the best mountain biker. What is that conversation like? And then if you were to build a training camp that would challenge every single one of them, what would that look like? And so we wow. did a lot of stuff where um, they have this thing called the athlete performance center, which is like their, how they like maximize the athletes. Right. And we would bring in, you know, like Cirque du Soleil to teach them stuff or, you know, like retired Marines would come in and run training camps. We did a breath hold camp where everybody learned how to hold their breath for four minutes, which was, (laughs) which is like, it, it seems like, you know, the idea of holding your breath for four minutes, uh, is like a crazy thing, but it's like, it gives you a couple different things. Number one, you, you realize how quickly you can learn a, a new skill and, and adapt it into your program. And I feel like once you realize like, Oh, I can still learn new things. It's kind of like an unlock, but the other side of it, it's like you learn how to control your body with your breathing. And so how might that play out on the start ramp of Red Bull rampage? Right. Like you, you're not going to hold your yeah. breath for four minutes there, but you no. might use some of the breathing techniques to like, slow down all your stuff right right so there's all these like little lessons that we would kind of build in for them so that's like they're doing this crazy thing but meanwhile they're learning how to control their heart rate with breathing they're learning how to you know how to learn new things and adapt and apply it and and they're pushing past their comfort zone on a lot of stuff too that was a big part of it of just pushing their boundaries and we would do some pretty wild stuff to get them out of their comfort zone, but uh, yeah, I can imagine. I that's crazy. I I dabbled in a teeny bit. I had a, a friend of mine was the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints uh, by the name of Drew Brees, and I found that I would send him motivational. I'd have a theme for the year, and I and I tell him what it is. And at the end of the year, if I was using a book, I'd give him the book at the end of the season. But I'd pick something out that was correlating to that week just to give them that edge, that 1% that you're talking about. So I yeah. dabbled in it with one athlete and it's like, you get so invested into, you know, how they do their performance when, when they maybe don't 
Excel that week or whatever it is, it's like, man, you're so tied to it and uh, it feels so good. For, for me, what I learned, and I don't know if you saw this, Aaron, but it seemed like the whole mental unlock, it seemed like what you don't, what you know is limited and what you don't know is limitless. And so if you're able to feed that mental unlock somehow, they're able to gain it because athletically they're already in the top 1%. Yeah. Did you see that as well when you were kind of in that arena? Yeah. And I'm a huge book nerd. So I love, I just rip books all year long. And so a lot of those athletes would, we would always trade books. Like Kate is probably in my top three of overall book recommendations. Like she's probably recommended like 15 or 20 books that I've read and, and I've probably done the same for her. So we're always, it was like, sort of like the athlete book club, I guess. Um, <laughs> Bunch of nerds. <laughs> but, but like, that's that again, like that's where you get it from. One of the, one of the things that a lot, one of them had in common was uh, a lot of the athletes are into stoic philosophy. So if you've written, uh, mm-hmm. read any like Ryan holiday, the obstacle is the way the daily stoic. I'm on like year six of reading the daily stoic every day. Oh, um, nice. So that was like a big one that, that we'd always talk about like whatever the entry was that day, but it's like every single day there's like a quote from Seneca or from Marcus Aurelius or whatever. And then they would kind of break it down for you. So a lot of reading and a lot of uh, sharing that kind of stuff too, that, uh, that really helped a lot of the athletes out. And um, yeah, it was just, I don't know. It's funny. Those are like the things that actually helped them out. You'd think, Oh, it must be some, physical hack or some whatever but most of it was yeah upstairs you know that's so crazy <laughs> and that's so relatable to our sport because so much of what we do is all living upstairs you know from even rolling out of bed and being like i'm gonna have a good day today it's gonna be a fun day today mm-hmm. um there's those things that we can control uh and then when we're on the bike so many times when you finally unlock something you roll away and you're like dude i could have done that two weeks ago i just didn't have that <laughs> thing that that belief where i couldn't see it you know yeah it yeah. it's it's pretty cool i've got oh, this yeah. uh i've got this thing that i've been that i've been doing i actually just got a new one but um i got this journal i've never been a journaler but this helped me with my, my mental thing it's called the five-year journal i don't know if you've seen these before i've i have i've seen people doing these so it's like uh so th- i just got a brand new one um, but I've been using this actually with my channel quite a bit just to like track progress and chat track, like my mental state with everything. But basically here, I'll show you. It's basically like every day. So oh, yeah. there's like five different sections on here okay. and then you just write whatever. So this is like 2020. So there's like a space here. You can write 2023, 20, 24, 25, 26, 27. Right. Okay. And, yeah. uh, and you just go through here and then you like fill it up with stuff. And then the next year you come through and you write the next one down. And so I'm like about to finish my second year with my other one that I've been using actually for my channel, but I've been recommending these to a ton of people because it doesn't matter if you're like making a YouTube channel or you're just trying to improve at writing, or you're trying to like anything that you're doing that you're trying to find like some level of, of growth. It's nice to look at because it's really great now that I'm on my second year because I can look up at the previous year and most of the conditions are the same of like, oh, it's summer and it's this and it's this. How was I doing? 
and I can check in on, you know, what my stats were at that point, And then a couple sentences about how I was feeling. But what I often do, especially when I'm having kind of like bummer days or whatever, or if I don't feel like I'm making progress in whatever it is I'm tracking, even going back like a month or two is such a game changer of like, how did I feel about this two months ago? And how am I doing now based on that? And having that level of perspective, I mean, I feel like perspective is everything when it comes to just mental setting. It's reality, right? Perspective is reality. Yeah. That journal has just been like such a huge unlock for so much of the stuff I've been doing. So, and and again, like I was never a journaler, but that thing just something about it just kind of unlocked something in my brain. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I'm able to like, I don't know, set goals better or, or just like keep my stuff focused in a new way that I maybe didn't have before. I don't know. That's good. I was going to say focus. Yeah. Because it's almost like you're organizing your thoughts in like a, a, t- a linear timeline and you can look back and see where you were, or you can look forward to see where you want to go a little bit easier because mm-hmm. you can see where you are right now, Yeah, which is pretty cool, man. So you're year two in that thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah, it's been really fun so far. This this one's brand new, but I got a I got one upstairs. It's pretty beat up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been around the block a couple times. Well, you forget so much too. Like I'll I'll go back through it, and it's like, oh, I completely forgot about this. Oh, I was having a bad day, you know, on June whatever, you know, twenty twenty two. But it's just like it's so helpful to like flip through it and just like check in and where you were and where you are now. And it gives I'm like grateful for all the things that have happened in the, you know, in the past year, the past couple of years, really. And so it's like gratitude, it's perspective, it's goal setting. It's like all these things kind of crammed into one. And um, yeah, I feel like everybody's got something that they're kind of working toward, whether it's like an athletic pursuit or, or anything else. And I don't know, just been a big, a big unlock for me, just like to put my thoughts into writing in a way that I don't know, I felt like it was a little too woo woo before. Like, I don't know if I would have just written in a journal for fun, but yeah. to, to oh, have some structure to it, you know, like finds this other than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that dude, I, I like that. I think I'm actually going to do that because um, I have a thought process that I, I, some of my friends in my, my little inner circle, I always, I always say like, I'll text them like, Hey, like win the day and win the day is just the day, but broken up into quarters. So like the morning is like, sometimes I'll check in, like how the morning goes. you guys, are you guys winning or losing? just a check-in and some people are like, yeah, I kicked butt this morning. I, I hit the gym, hit the conference calls or maybe sales calls, whatever it is. And other people are like, ah, oh, shoot, I just got up, man. I'm totally getting my, my butt kicked, but I still got <laughs> second quarter, halftime for lunch, third quarter and finish the day. I can still win it. So this would fit perfectly in there. It seems like with the, the daily journal Yeah, of that. It's a little hack. I don't know. Um, yeah. Hopefully uh, useful. <laughs> I like it. I like it, man. I like it. Um, let's check in with the chat again, too. We got uh, Johnny Yu out of Miami. He has a podcast called uh, Mountain Bike Q&A. Johnny says, I want it, pimp. <laughs> He's trying to get the whole shot award. Uh, he just missed it. Uh, we also had Steph Batista in here. Um, let's see if there's any questions. Uh, let's see. Octodad is asking you, he says, what's the new font called shadow street balloon i don't know if is that for us or is that for the chat i think it must be you is that what's the new font called oh i don't know we'll go with shadow street balloon (laughs) uh 
let's see. MTB TNA is in here. She said, my apologies. I cannot shoot the hole in, in time. Damn it. Uh, we got uh, Bentonville, Arkansas is in the house with Scott Ripple. He says, hello, Mark and Aaron. Welcome aboard, Bentonville. Good to see you, Scott. That is awesome. And I think this might be somebody from uh, your channel, Terraces. What's good, Terraces? Yeah, he's... Yeah. So we have a we have a Discord channel for Super Rider and Terrasis runs the show, among other things. But uh, yeah, sick. Shout out to you, Terrasis. He says he's still <laughs> great at writing. Don't let him convince you otherwise. <laughs> I'm just a modest. I'm just a modest professional trails trails writer. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I've been getting. You know what's funny is I'm 43 now, and I was pro as a trials writer in my 20s. But I've been I've been doing a lot of of uh, weightlifting the last year and change now, and I feel like now I'm stronger and and better than I was when I was in my 20s. And it's amazing like how much snappier you get on the bike when you start moving weight. I didn't yeah. think it was gonna have so much of like even just the control over the bike has increased since I started lifting, and it's such an interesting thing. I didn't expect it was gonna be uh, part of that outcome. I was just doing it to see if I could jump a little bit higher and jump a little bit farther. And the overall impact, it has been crazy. Dude, have you tried to beat your record, your, your bunny hop record now that you've been lifting? I bet you can, I bet you can take it. I, uh, I, so I've been doing this thing where, uh, there's a move called the side hop. So it's basically like a static bunny hop where you're balancing in a, in a track stand and then you just jump straight up from a standstill and you go up and over or up and onto something. And when I turned 43, I did 43 inches, which was the, the highest that actually side hopped up oh. onto something. And so I turned 44 in March. So the goal is to try to get the 44 inch side hop. Um, I probably should have started off with centimeters so I could do this a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> here, we, here we are. So I, I'm going to try to keep pushing it for a couple more years and see what we can get done. But um, That's awesome. and I'm definitely like at my, I'm definitely probably riding better than I ever have, like higher than I've ever been able to jump before. So That's awesome. yeah. That's cool. awesome for all of us out there in the MTB community that are going to learn skills from your channel, which are amazing the way you break it down. If you guys haven't seen the the channel yet, Super Rider TV on YouTube, you got to check it out. He breaks it down. Aaron breaks down so nicely. And I love the fact that you even came to YouTube by wanting to beat your original record, which was in the 30s at that point, correct? Was it 38 maybe? Yeah, that was uh... – so, so basically a long time ago, I had a record at like 38 and a half. And, it, and when I first did it, it was actually counted as the world record, but this was like late nineties. So, you know, here he's we are. He's being modest again, folks. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, like that was years and years ago. So people were definitely jumping way higher, but the pandemic hit and I was home with the two kids and working here. And my wife is a doctor. So she was in the clinic. And so I was going a little stir crazy, just like taking care of them all day. You know, they're doing the online school. I'm just kind of sitting here twiddling my thumb <laughs> and I needed a project. And I was like, you know what? This bike is collecting dust. And it, I was mountain biking the whole time, but my trials bike had just been off to the side. So not a lot of trials riders locally. And it's not that, you know, it's better to have people to ride with. And uh, I just said like, well, maybe in the backyard I can just get like a limbo bar and try to see if I can get my record back again, like 
blow the dust off and see if I can get it. That'll be my project. And I'll start a YouTube. I'll just put it on YouTube and like, let it do its thing. And Eric Porter and I have been really close friends for a super, super long time. And he was, he was really having his, his rise around that time. And so Porter kept, you know, we kept talking about it. I'm like, that would be kind of cool to like do a YouTube channel. Like, and he was, you know, kind of helped me and encouraging me and kind of, um, you know, pushing me into the deep end, I guess. And, uh, and so <laughs> Wait, I was like, is it, wasn't Porter the one that helped you get into Red Bull as well? Didn't he also, is he, has he been kind of your guide to get into? Um, I don't think no. Red Bull, not, not Red Bull, but we, we definitely have, I mean, he helped me out a ton at like the gravity stuff and oh, gotcha, we definitely worked right. together on a ton of projects pre Red Bull too. So that's right. That's I right. would say like one of the best things about Porter is when I l more or less left the bike industry to go work for Red Bull, which was like a, you know, it seems like, oh, obviously they're, they're in bikes. So you're, you're still in the same world, but it wasn't like I moved to Cincinnati. I was working on like different marketing projects that had nothing to do with athletes. Like I had wow. definitely left the bike world you when I took this world. job. Yeah. yeah. And to, to Porter's credit, which this really, I mean, it's exactly who he is, is we like stayed friends and there were so many people that were in the bike industry that kind of like faded off, you know, because it was like, well, this guy can't do anything for him anymore. He's not like part of the mountain bike media or he's not like connected to brands or whatever. So like, see you later, bro. Oh, that's and, uh, you know, it, it happens It's part of life. Right. And, yeah. Or, or maybe not even intentional, but like, there's not really a reason to talk anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and Porter was one of those people that was just always like checking in and staying in touch and, you know, just, we're always, you know, friends and always talking. And, and, uh, I give him so much credit for, for, being that kind of person. Cause that's exactly who he is, but, um, not everybody's like that. And I think that that really makes that sets him apart, you know? So we've always been close friends and, um, I mean, we talk pretty much every day now, but, uh, <laughs> you gotta keep uh, those guys, you gotta keep those friends close. Man. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Oh, I'm so lucky mm -hmm. to have him. I mean, um, but he, he really kind of like motivated me like, Hey, you, should, you know, you, you used to make all these bike videos. Like, why don't you just film it and put it on YouTube and, you know, make stuff. And so I got kind of inspired watching him do his thing. And I was like, yeah, I do know how to edit. I do know how to ride a bike. Like, I don't know. Let's, let's see what happens. So I got a limbo bar. I started falling off my bike a lot, trying to like get up and over this bar. And, um, and then I just realized like, there's not really a lot of tutorials for trials. Maybe I could just make some of those. And so I just started making a couple and just seeing how it was going to go. And, didn't really know what I was doing. I'm sure those first videos are horrendous by now the standard, but, uh, but there aren't, there weren't that many that were, that were out there. So I just, uh, just started making them and, uh, and everything was, you know, kind of slow and steady and, and just like it, you know, my thing is just all about long-term consistency over short-term intensity. So it's like, I don't know if I just like keep making these, I'll probably get better at it. More people will show up and, I like making videos. I've been making videos my whole life. So why would I, you know, now I've figured out that I have an outlet where I can make bike videos again. Like sweet. Yeah. yeah creative. And, You're doing it for you now, not for anybody else. Uh, yeah. This is your, this is your thing. So that's, I love that. And you're set up for the long run. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. And, and honestly, like uh, I think you and I first connected right as I was kind of figuring it out. And yeah. I may have just gotten the keys for the warehouse. I'm not totally sure. It was right there because I think you were building it out 
And, uh, and I was following right after the podcast and it was just like the boxes weren't even painted colors yet inside that warehouse. And I think one of your first videos, you actually were showing the keys and like what it's going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. It was right a, then. That was such a crazy time. And a lot of that came from a, a conversation I had with Seth Alvo and the Porter I'd met him before. And then Porter like reconnected us. And, uh, I was, I was on like a spring break vacation or something like that with my family. And, I was like, Hey, if you ever have time to talk, I'd let, I have to have questions and you know, whatever. And Seth got on the phone with me for two hours and what? just dropped knowledge. Like, here's what you do. Here's this. And at the time I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe like, I don't know, getting like a small warehouse that I could maybe ride in at some point. I feel like that would help me be more consistent, but I could make the stuff to ride on instead of having to like, cause at that point I was like going out to like, playgrounds or loading docks or wherever I could find and just like yeah. hoping no one was there. So I could like talk right. to the camera and not feel like an idiot. <laughs> you and... talking to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and so he's like, you should definitely do that right now. And so I was like, all right, basically, wow. but we hung up the phone and I like Googled found the spot. And then by the time we got back from the trip, I had like a meeting to go check out the place and Holy cow pulled the trigger on it right away. Cause I was like, if Seth thinks this is the right thing and I think this is the right thing, then I should definitely do this. And uh, you're also in an area where like, is there a lot of rain where you live yeah. or, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So this, this gets rid of that whole barrier. You don't have to worry about weather now. Yeah. And I always had this dream of like, Oh, it'd be so cool to have like a trial spot because you can build all these different obstacles and all these different things. So like, Oh, it'd be cool to have a little little space you can make your own you can build Heck your own yeah. stuff and i'm certainly no builder by any means i have no idea what i'm doing with i have no business operating sharp <laughs> machinery <laughs> uh but my buddy evan came and helped me build a couple things up and we just like got the ball rolling with it and i got uh i ended up getting uh internet for the warehouse and doing live streams on Twitch for like a year or so. And that's where we met Terrasis and a bunch of other people. Everybody kind of came in to this live stream. And and uh, it was so cool because not only were we doing this live stream where we could communicate and connect with all these people, but we also were getting really, really helpful feedback on what riders were struggling to learn. So I'd be doing a lesson in the live stream of like, hey, this is like, you know, uh, this is how to do this thing. And I'm going to make a video about it this week. But then the writers in the chat would be like, Hey, I have a quick question about this part of the tutorial. What about this? And I'd be like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. Well, actually here's what you do. And then I would go to the video and make the video better. So it was like this constant iterative process where I was making stuff, but then they were giving me input and feedback that then was going into making the videos better. It was just like, you know, it was this incredible loop of, of everybody kind of working together to make the content as good as it possibly could have been. Wow. And that was kind of like just by design, right? You didn't go in there. I mean, not by design in the sense that you thought of this, how it's going to work, but by design on how it all just unraveled, just yeah. grass rooted it itself that way. Yeah. I had, um, I think I had like 400 subscribers when I started the warehouse and thankfully I had a full-time job. So I was just like putting all everything into the channel, you know, like I'd yeah, that, that was like my, uh, 
my uh my pet project i guess i don't even know um yeah. i just like was like i yeah a warehouse is not going to be cheap but i i really want to do this more than anything else and um i see the value in it for my sport too and if if another person picks up trials as a result of me doing these tutorials like literally one more trials rider that'd be great and uh so that was that was where it all kind of started and then we made a lot of trials tutorials we did a lot of live streams there and then this past year at sea otter i was staying with uh with porter and we went to dinner and we were looking through all the stats of my videos and he was like most of the videos that seem to be doing the best you're actually riding a mountain bike but teaching trials stuff you should maybe consider that and i was like i don't know man i'm so i want trials to be like a big deal he's like but I think you're reaching like a, an important audience that could really benefit from the stuff that's that's in here. I feel like it's worth it for you to like share like the front wheel, back wheel, you know, yeah, like balance stuff with like the the mountain bike community. I feel like it's, yeah. you know, and, and he's like, I feel like they need to see you on a mountain bike because while you're teaching the same skill on a trials bike, I just feel like you've got to do it on a mountain bike. And um we were walk. We got up from dinner. I was like, "Yeah, yeah okay, whatever." And we got up from dinner, <laughs> and we're walking out of the restaurant in Monterey. And this guy comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, you're Aaron from Super Rider, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, hey, Same. how's it going?" You know, which was like cool for me because I don't, yeah, I don't, you know, a he recognized me before Porter, so that was cool. But, <laughs> 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 but also, like, that was the crazy moment. And so he's like, "I love your channel. I've learned so much stuff from it. Thank you for doing what you do." which is such an amazing feeling. Like anytime anybody does that, it's like such a cool thing. I know that but, does feel great. But then I was like, Oh, what, what kind of trials bike do you ride? And he was like, Oh, what? And I was like, <laughs> you know, like what, what bike do you ride? He's like, Oh, I don't, I don't ride trials. I just, I just find your stuff really helpful for mountain biking. And I look back at Porter <laughs> and he's just like, so the whole Porter's rest of the weekend at sea otter, all these riders were coming up. Same thing. Like, Hey, uh, I, I use your tutorials to help my mountain biking out. I just, yeah, keep it up, man. And so I, I basically got back from sea otter and I was like, all right, I know what I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to tell Eric that, you, that he was right, but you're like, I, 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 I could work on something here. <laughs> oh, he definitely knows. He knows. Uh, it's so awesome. But yeah. So, so I basically got back and just started making mountain bike videos and the response has been incredible. And, you know, people really seem to be getting some real unlocks from it, which is, is awesome. And, you know, the, the trials catalog is there and I've got some really fun ideas for stuff that I want to do for trials specifically, but I also think there's value for everyone. If I'm also teaching Basically, it's like trials stuff, but you're doing it on a mountain bike. And a lot of people have this barrier to entry of trials because they think, oh, I need to have a special bike. Oh, I need to learn a completely new skill set. Oh, where would this ever apply? And so people just kind of shun this entire uh, library of skills that they could easily just pick up, you know? Crazy, right? Yes. And so I feel like sometimes the the parent who's like grinding up the vegetables in their kid's smoothie and yeah. feeding it to them like yeah here's how to lift your front wheel or we did one that was uh we did one that was how to ride switchbacks which it's basically a trials move that's like how to do front wheel pivots so you pick up your back wheel and you you move it right like a great way to make make switchbacks happen owners yeah 
but it's just it's just the front wheel pivot from trials the same exact thing but you put it in you repackage it and repurpose it in this context and then people aren't as scared to learn it and they see themselves doing it because i'm doing it on a santa cruz instead of like some obscure trials bike and all of a sudden because i have suspension and a seat it connects (laughs) it connects all the way through Yeah. yeah 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 so that gets me to the question of because super rider is such an amazing name for what you're doing. It's the it's the skill set that can transfer through all different disciplines, right? It's the same stuff we're all doing. And so Super Rider was actually created before you even thought about doing these things on a mountain bike. So how did Super Rider come about, the name? Yeah. Uh, Super Rider was originally a TV, uh, TV segment inside a show in Japan. So there was like a, um, have you ever seen like, like Wipeout? Wipeout? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just so hilarious when they, I mean, as long as they're not injured, it's hilarious, but they're crazy. They do some yeah. crazy things. They do all kinds of crazy stuff. And so inside, and there were multiple shows like that over there. And inside one of the shows, they had a segment called Super Rider. And this was special because a lot of the Wipeout stuff was like, I don't know. Let's get a hundred people and see if they fall off this thing. <laughs> but super rider is special because they were bringing in the elite riders from all over the world to, to participate in the hardest possible obstacle course. And they would run them all through this thematic course. So like one of them was like a radioactive dump site. One of them was like, uh, you know, like Godzilla going through the city and all this stuff, like all these crazy things. And, but they would have all these like really challenging elements to them. And it was just a spectacle and it was so cool. And I remember being a pro trials rider being like, what do I need to do to get invited on super rider? This looks amazing. Yeah. And they only did like four, four or five episodes that had that segment in it. And then it was gone forever. Oh no. I wonder what happened. I mean, so anyway, so the, the show like disappeared and I was like, always kind of holding on to that, like, oh, be so sick to bring that back somehow. And then once I had a YouTube channel, I was like, wait, I can make videos with bicycles and people and maybe I should make super rider. Like I, I've got a warehouse, like, what do I need to do? Yeah. And so I kind of put it out into the universe, like, Hey, I'm going to make this show. Like I'm going to bring it back to life and renaming the channel. Super rider was kind of like, that stake in the ground, like, all right, this is happening. We're going to like march toward this and get it done. Sick. So around that time, it was, it was kind of perfect timing because that was right when the UCI pulled the plug on Red Bull TV. Oh, and Red Bull TV was like, what are we going to do for bike content? And so they reached out to me and they're like, Hey, do you want to have a discussion about all this stuff? So for the last year or so, we've been working together to, to concept and get everything up and running and, um, everything's currently on hold, uh, budget, budgets and whatnot, but we got real close. It may get picked back up or, you know, if not, I might just do it on the channel now that I have, you know, if I had 400 subscribers that I probably didn't have the, the audience or the skill set to, to make a show of that caliber <laughs> or the budget. Uh, mm-hmm. but now mm-hmm. I feel like maybe I could start kind of chipping away at it a little bit. So dude, that would be so exciting, man. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's going to happen at some point. It's just what it's going to look like and how it's going to be. And so the Red Bull thing is, you know, it was like exciting. And then right as we were about to get like the, the, 
production partner finalized it was like oh actually hold on a second so oh no tables. Uh, yeah Damn tables <laughs> but you know that, that's that's what happens right and yeah so but then when it picks up it can pick up like like fire i mean yeah. you'd yeah. be doing this next week i'd be like dude there he goes i knew it <laughs> i just i love the concept and and like this is just one of those things that i've refused to give up on because i know that when people see it they're gonna be like that's amazing like i want more of that like you know let's go like uh, is there another episode is there this and that and so you know uh patiently waiting for red bull to maybe see what they're gonna do with it but also like in the back of my head being like how much of this could I actually just do on my own to get the ball rolling? And like, if we could sure. get the ball rolling, would it be okay. Like, would it work? So, sure. um, I'm kind of kicking around a few different things, but either way, like we got our first shot on goal and we got really close and you know, it might come through, you know, like anything, yeah. but, uh, it's not one of those that I'm just going to like throw my hands up and be like, well, we tried, you know, like this is, yeah. this is sort of like my reason for being like, I want to, make all these cool tutorials. Cause in my mind, what I think is really neat is that if we could have it all in one place, we could show people this like really high level of riding. Like how crazy is this? But then you could go back into the channel and be like, if you want to learn how to do this stuff, you could also get it here too. So you see this crazy riding and then you learn how to do the crazy riding. So best case scenario would be, you know, season five, somebody's riding in the show who saw season one oh, and went damn. back into YouTube and was like, Oh, I can learn all this right here. And then, you know, Could that you would imagine? be, that would be it. That yeah. would be epic. Could you imagine the character build out scenes on that as like, I started watching it. I started practicing it. I, yeah. Oh, I could see it. I could I see it. See now, that. would this be, would the, would the super rider concept, will it be trials? Would it be a mixture? Would anybody, any bike be welcome to come and try the obstacle course that's provided? Or how would that work? I'm not really sure yet. Uh, depending on depending on who's involved with it and how this comes together, it, it may change slightly. There are some incredible trials riders out there that aren't getting the shine they deserve. And I would love to be the person to to put them on to get them out there. Like there's this guy, Joachim Lundgren. He's a Swedish rider, can bunny hop like five feet up to back wheel, like what? nothing. Just bam. Like Whoa. if you think that Danny McCaskill and Fabio Widmer are amazing, you gotta see this guy ride. You will not even believe it. As a fellow trials rider, I don't even believe it. This guy is so powerful and goes so huge that it looks just unreal. Wow. And uh you know, but like his day job, he works in like logistics and shipping in Sweden. <laughs> and I'm just like, how, how is someone this good at bikes? Like not doing it all the time. He's, they need to be appreciated on a much higher level. Yes. He's and, at the uh, dock. There goes the, there goes my shipment. All right. One's lunch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. And you know, like part of that original conversation with Red Bull was like, Hey, some of your highest performing bike content is trials. So like, wouldn't you like to find the next Danny McCaskill? Wouldn't you like to have the next Imaginate? Wouldn't you like to basically make a TV show out of Imaginate where every every course looks like that, sh you know, like a different variation of that? Like, yeah. there's so much in there that's, like, exciting and fun and whimsical and, and it has personality. It's not just, like, shred. It's, like, there's so much more to see. And so yeah. that's why I'm all fired up about it. And, um, yeah. We're gonna it's, 
it's crazy. I mean, that's going to be awesome. Cause I, I know it's going to happen whether it's with Red Bull or whether you, you grab the horns and you put this out there on the super rider channel. Um, but when you watch these trials riders, it looks like magic. It looks crazy. In fact, I have this, uh, posted up here. I'm going to share with everybody. You had a day out in San Francisco with Danny Mac and you got some good behind the scenes on a video that he was working on. And, uh, here's just a little piece of it right here. We'll play it for the folks that are watching so they can see it here. Even if you try to do stuff in a line where it kind of almost forces you to, it sort of forces you to do some parts that you might find scary. You know what I mean? Like by the time I've got through all that, I'm like, right, if I'm there, like that, I'm going. Hi, pretty good. Cheers, man. <laughs> Tell me again, how did you find this spot in particular? Uh, we spotted this when we were driving past. So we basically were just driving down the road. And the whole time I've been in San Francisco, even, even when I'm here on this trip, you know, I'm just here to do media, really. Uh, I'm still scouting. He's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. I don't... It's, yeah, it's amazing, like, how much effort actually does go into the videos that he's putting out, too. I mean, each each shot in that video was, like, one or two days for each one. Just Jeez. trying it over and over and over. And uh, the thing that blew my mind that really, like, speaks to the depth that they actually did go on some of this stuff so in that video in san francisco there's a part where he rides a bike across a tennis court uh, or like the tennis oh, the net, net. The yeah. Net. yeah and in the video that you pulled up he explains the whole thing but the idea that he even thought about this of you know how do you ride a bike across the net well a traditional net is a pretty thin wire and if you got to the middle it would sag down so we need to weight the wire so that it doesn't sag as much, but also like we need it to be a thicker gauge. And so they, they modified the wire, they modified, and then they had to anchor the wire in and, and like grind it up. So it basically was like, um, taut enough, taut, right? taut, yeah, yeah. And then the thing he was saying to me, was like the hardest part, not that this isn't already insanely difficult so in crazy. every other thing, like see that green thing that was behind him there. All of that is actually built up, um, that green bench there. Oh, that's not, yeah. that's actually like what's hiding the weights to keep the line taut. Cause if you look here in the actual thing, that's gone. They're not so there, right? All that stuff is like stagecraft, you know? Wow. It's all stuff that they had to think about, like, oh, we need to be able to make the line tighter by adding weight to each side and to balance Danny out and do all these things. So That's there's insane. so much thought that goes in. Like you, you can't just be good at riding bikes. You can't just be creative. You also have to think through like the production side of things and like how to actually put the stuff together, but do it in a way where it doesn't look unnatural. Like you saw yes. that and you're like, yeah, of course. He just, there just happened to be the perfect uh, platform for him to ride onto the line. And then, of course, he just rode across the normal traditional tennis line. And then, you know, there happened yeah. to be a landing on the other side. It's just amazing. Like when you really break down the detail of, of all the things that, that went down in that one shot, one yeah. single shot. That is so cool. Yeah. yeah. Chuck Pimp is saying critical thinking. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, Mia, what's up, Mia from Women's MTV Network, global uh, network on here, says, damn, that's gnarly. I love him. So, yeah. You, I mean, I feel like Trials is, like, right there. I mean, it's going to 
it just something's gonna push it over the edge and then boom it's gonna be all over the place and maybe that's maybe that's gonna be within the super writer i yeah. who, who knows but it's, it's i mean it's magic dude <laughs> it really, <laughs> really is <laughs> i think i think a lot of it too is like if i can make it more accessible through these tutorials if i can make it easier to learn people to get over the hump of it because really it's like a handful of things it's knowing how to press on your pedals and let go of the brakes that modulation between those two things plus you add in the unweighting of like where you put your body weight on the bike those things basically that's all you really need to get started and you start by riding over curbs or a pallet and then you find something that's a little bit taller and a little bit taller and a little bit taller and you just iterate and that stuff applies to so much of your other mountain biking and um yeah, like a lot of people think they need a custom bike to do it, but actually it's better if you do it on your mountain bike because then you can call on those skills anytime you want, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like one of the most important things is like you you don't you don't want to learn a skill on I mean, of course all the, the skills transfer over to every other bike, but it'd be best if you learned it on the bike that you ride the most, you know, so you can apply it to to just about everything. Um that yeah. That, that makes sense. Now I'm really excited for everything that you're doing with Super Rider, uh, and then what you've done with Red Bull. Now, are you a, you're, you're somewhat affiliated with Red Bull now, but are you no longer working for them anymore? Are you out on your own now? Yeah, I I uh, I moved on. I got uh, I got some new jobs. It was an amazing run. I was there for 12 years, and I got to do some really incredible stuff while I was there. I mean. Um, the last athlete I signed was Hannah Bergman, who's just incredible. Uh, she's, uh, she's amazing. <laughs> and if I had to, if I had to have one last signing, I'm glad, I'm glad we got her, her in the door. Cause she's just, she's crushing it. Um, mm -hmm. I had a hand in helping formation get off the ground and, and that whole stuff, which is, um, yeah, a big source of pride. I got to work on so many cool projects when I was there, but, um, but yeah. That was a good, memorable one. Yeah, for sure. the one to go out on for sure. <laughs> Golly, man, that's so cool. Uh, Trail Pippa saying, Super Rider, do you know Howie Zink? He's an incredible writer. He does some of the stuff that you do. Yeah, that was, uh, I actually, I know Cam better than Howie, but uh, when they were both, you know, going to the comps and stuff, I, I met Howie. I haven't seen him ride in a really long time, though. That's rad. I'm glad yeah. to know he's still ripping. That's, oh, man, <laughs> that's so crazy. Those are, you have some great memories, dude, from the experiences that you've been through and the things that you've seen. Um, maybe one of these days your journal is going to be a book. And <laughs> we're all going to look back through it and go, holy crap, he's done some crazy stuff, man. Um, Mountain Bike Q&A is asking, I want his merch, even though I'm only an okay writer. Um, <laughs> where can people where can people purchase the merch from you if they want to get their hands on some Super Rider merch? Uh, if you go to superrider.tv, you can get it. And actually, the the most recent merch that we did doesn't say Super Rider on it anywhere because I heard that exact same like, oh, I I feel silly wearing a shirt that says Super Rider even though I'm okay uh, or I'm like practicing because a lot of people watching Super Rider stuff are like just learning the skill and falling down a lot and uh and so i made i made a new uh it's like a technical like riding jersey and it says practice makes progress and so that's like one of the things i always say in all this thing and that's really what it all comes down to it's just you know you got to earn some of the technical skills by just 
repetition sometimes. Um, it definitely helps you get further along if you watch these videos and you see like, oh, here's the one thing that's going to unlock it for me, but you still have to just like get comfortable doing those things. And uh, so it is really down to like just practicing the stuff. But the good thing is that all this stuff that I teach, you could practice in a parking lot or a garage or, you know, at the trailhead before you ride or anything like that too. Like it's, it's all pretty easy to put into practice. It's just the matter of putting it into practice. Yeah. And I love that sign off that you have on there when you say practice makes progress because it's cool how you put it all together and you end it with that, which is great. It's like, oh yeah, I got to put in the work. Like you could show me how to do it and I can understand it, but if I don't get out there and actually apply myself, I'm never going to be able to unlock it. So man, the, the, especially on the short form content, the excuses are just, <laughs> wow. People bend over backwards to make excuses for why they somehow can't do a thing. And, um, I did a video, <laughs> I have a nine-year-old daughter and I borrowed her bike to do all the, so I had like five or six different drills that I try to incorporate into all this, this stuff. And, uh, and so <laughs> I did all the skills on my daughter's bike and it's, you know, it. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, uh, it was a hand-me-down bike from her aunt and it's pink and it has like the, the seat from, uh, you know, you could put like the doll in it and all this stuff. And, um, the, the excuses that came out were like, Oh, well, you know, cause the bike is a specialized, it's not, <laughs> it's not carbon or anything. It's like a hundred dollar bike from specialized. We're like, Oh, well, your daughter's bike is way better than mine. That's why you can do it. I'm like, you guys are missing the point. If you put as much time into practicing as you did coming up with these excuses, you'd be incredible. You'd be um, amazing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was there, was there like a ridiculous one that you're like, wow, I didn't even think about that one, but that was pretty good. <laughs> They're just, I mean, the, yeah, my daughter, or I don't have a, something about the S works bike or something. I'm like, this is definitely not an S works bike. <laughs> I don't know what bike you're seeing, but then, you know, it's just like, I, I don't really know what to do with those kind of comments. Cause I'm like, I'm here trying my best to help you out. And I'm trying to motivate and keep it positive and and keep it light and and whatever and yeah sometimes um, <laughs> you gotta take a deep breath <laughs> oh i saw a question from uh women's not like network this is carson storch um this is his 360 drop that put him on the podium at rampage the first time wow. um that's it says uh yeah, it's a little little inscription from Carson on here. And That's that was cool. like what really kind of put him on the map in a lot of ways. And um, that was after his first year. The the interesting thing was, so I got Carson's helmet to, you know, sponsor him and do all this stuff. And his, I basically got, I, long story short, I landed in LA to pick up his helmet from the custom painter. Because they're all, every single Red Bull helmet is custom painted by this company in Santa Barbara. Oh, wow. so I flew to LA, drove to Santa Barbara, and then I had to drive from Santa Barbara with like a freshly painted helmet in the rental car to Utah to Ooh. deliver it to him so that he would have it for his first rampage. Well, I land in LA and I get a text from Carson and he, I forget what happened, but he blew out his ankle. So oh. all of this stuff I had to do, basically, I, I knew he wasn't going to ride in the event. So it was just like, oh. Uh, 
and, oh, and then basically at that time so then like the the season ends basically he's got his red bull gear we do his photo shoot we do all the things to like get him up and running but he still at that point was trying to figure out like should i be a free rider or a slope style rider he was kind of doing a little bit of both and um it wasn't like totally clear how things were going to go for carson at that point in his career he was still trying to figure it out and even like red bull like the austrian team was kind of pressuring uh was kind of pressuring me like yo what what's this guy gonna do like you you were vouching pretty hard for him and like you know he's not like necessarily like he's not winning slope style contests um so what's what's gonna happen and i was like trust me this kid has got it like he's we didn't just take a flyer on Carson Storch. This kid is the real deal. The real thing. And, yeah. uh, and so, you know, there was a lot of pressure building into that second rampage because um, he didn't get to ride the first rampage as a Red Bull athlete because he was hurt. And so he's like on the sideline wearing his Red Bull hat and like excited about it, but also kind of feeling a little sheepish because like you just had this big career moment and then you can't actually ride the big event. Yeah. Like kind of a bummer for him. Yes. So this next rampage was like kind of, you know, time to shine. And, uh, and he teed up this big 360 drop. And I remember standing on the drop, looking down, being like, you're going to, you're going to three off this, you know? <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, yeah we got, got a parachute. <laughs> got this. And, uh, and so he, he dropped, he did the three drop like perfect. And that's this photo. God. And, uh, and then, so he won best trick and he got third place in the event. And I just remember sending an all caps email, to the head of athletes in in at the global team being like hey did you catch rampage <laughs> <laughs> like yeah okay all right all right all right just making sure you guys saw it just so you know <laughs> i was right just, just saying some <laughs> of those some of those conversations had to have been tough like you know you're, you're you're talking back to corporate and you're you're letting them know like this is what i see these are i, I am the boots on the ground out here and, and trust me on this one yeah. and that had to have been validating to send that email yeah we i mean so many of the athletes i worked with just made me look really good i mean i signed kate courtney when she was fourth place in junior and then she won the world championship at her first year in elite i mean that was yeah. like next day at work i was pretty big smile on my face you know yeah. <laughs> like oh yeah of course she won yeah um, i saw it coming i knew it i yeah. knew it <laughs> i mean that was yeah it was only a couple of years into the partnership that was early early days with her and wow. um yeah yeah so yeah it's if pretty it, incredible like if there was something that if you had all that talent in a room and you had to sum up the one thing that really just seemed to be the common denom denominator among them all what would you say it was? I really don't think there is. I mean, yeah, I don't think there really is a common denominator with these athletes. I mean, other, other than their attitude, you know, every single Red Bull athlete that I've ever met and worked with has always been like calm and collected and cool mm. and, and very personable. Like they're all good people. There's not really any Red Bull athlete that I've ever come across that's been like really impressed with themselves or or just like total total jerk. Yeah. Um and uh they've they all just have like really good attitudes and I think I think that really plays into like why they can do things like the athlete performance camp because it's like every single athlete knows that they can get better 
and and it is willing to accept that they don't necessarily know the way forward but is open to being taught and when you have that kind of situation you can take a group of athletes from a bunch of different sports and be like all right we're going to learn how to hold our breath for four minutes because this is going to help you regulate your nerves when you're at the start line of rampage or whatever um so i think like that willingness to learn that openness that like kind of calm collected like just having the right attitude makes such a difference and um and i think i think it just like it's just like cycle of like then we get excited to go find stuff for them. Then we bring that back to them. And then, you know, like it just, yeah, it perpetuates. And I think I've never really had a bad uh, interaction with a Red Bull athlete ever. And yeah, surely I was the guy signing the checks, but still like, uh, you know, they, the attitude there was the right, the right way to approach a partnership. And it made it easy to put your all into making those people successful. Wow. That's very cool, man. It is true. Then the, your attitude determines your altitude, you know, when you're, when your outlook on life, I think that's really cool. And actually got a chance to meet Carson storage at the Bentonville mountain bike festival. We were staying at the same hotel and uh, we were waiting for the shuttle and I'm trying to learn how to do manuals. And I'm just like trying to get like one parking spot and he comes over and he starts talking to me and helping me. Next thing you know, I'm doing two parking spots and I, I got a little bit over towards the grass. I'm like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And then I, I looked at him and like the whole thing was like, and that's Carson Storch that's teaching me how to do this. This is insane. Like you didn't have to do any of this stuff, you know, just what a good dude. Yeah. And he got his VIP parking once we got to the festival too, which is pretty dope. He's good like that. <laughs> He's real good like that. Yeah. Such a good kid. So good. So good. So the attitude, that's very cool. And what's neat about us for Super Writer, for the folks that are coming to your channel, for the folks that are taking advantage of the skills is like, you're giving us a chance to be a part of all of the things that you've been through with them on your channel. Like these little tips, like dropping your heart rate, you know, being calm, collected, get that front wheel, back wheel, focusing on the one things, you know, the things to help you unlock your skills. So I think that's really unique that we get to take advantage of with super writer, which is cool. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to help as, as much as I can. I, I heard a great thing today. Somebody um, used the acronym hope and it was help one person every day. And it's like, Oh, think about that. Like, Oh, you know what? Actually, like if I could do that with my channel, whether it, you know, somebody gets better at riding mountain bikes or somebody decides they want to, you know, dive into trials or whatever. Like if I could just do one thing, um, to, to, to help everybody do one thing better, like, that'd be great. That's like the best feeling. And then, like I was saying earlier, like at sea otter, when people come up and say that stuff, it's like the most gratifying thing to hear that you actually did help somebody out. It's like incredible. Yeah. Yeah. What does that feel like? Cause I know that the YouTube checks aren't like they're not like, they don't have to boatload a truck to unhaul the check. Yeah, I'm definitely not there. <laughs> but, but you know, it's like, it's like, I was trying to explain this to, to my wife and I was like, imagine if somebody, and not that, that YouTube's anywhere close to being my full-time job, but it's still like work, right? And yeah. imagine if, you know, and, and like for me, I wake up at five o'clock in the morning to shoot because I can do it in the warehouse with the lights anytime. So I wake up at 5 a.m. to shoot. So most of the tutorials that you see on the channel, other than the, the clips from outdoor, anything indoor is shot at five o'clock in the morning. And um, which is pretty much all of them. <laughs> wow, that's the millionaire uh, hour, 5 a.m. Yeah. 
And then I, I normally edit at 5 a.m. the rest of the days of the week. So, you know, it is work. It's a lot of work to to stay this consistent and to put this stuff out and and to, you know, stay on top of it all. Um, but it's what I like to do. Anyway, I was trying to explain this to my wife of like, imagine if someone came into your work and came up to you and was like, I love what you're doing at this job. You're really great at this job. I appreciate the time effort and I've benefited from you doing your job. Like <sighs> any job you worked, if somebody came in and did that, you'd be like, sweet. Uh, this is amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I get a picture with you? You're like, yeah, man, this is awesome. Like, it is, it's the best thing. Cause yeah, I mean, it's funny too. Cause like the experience is like, I'm alone in a cold warehouse in the morning talking at a camera. I have no interaction with like, you know, like live people hardly ever. This is like a big step forward for me this moment right here. Uh, but usually it's just me talking to myself in a, in an empty warehouse. And so if you want to be Aaron, this feels right. Uh, no, but you know, like you just, that's what you do. And so, to, to have a moment where you recognize that other people are watching it and benefiting from it is like really a cool feeling and, and like makes it all sort of worth it, you know? Dude. Yeah. That is awesome, man. I love, I love that feeling and kudos to you for, for having that to put this, that's kind of like the win for your sales, you know, mm -hmm. that's uh regardless of the paychecks and this and that. And I mean, especially for you, it had to have been tough coming from the standpoint that you were making these incredible videos for these other companies prior to the YouTube channel. And then you launched it with 400 people. You're not even monetized at that point. And yeah. then putting in that work and you're used to like dropping it probably and seeing like the numbers just go and then see the numbers kind of do what they do at the beginning and you stuck with it. <laughs> how, how, how did you get through that first part? Cause I feel like I see a lot of creators here in the chat and we all have that feeling of like, man, am I doing the right thing? Am I, Am I being punished by the algorithm? Am I just in my learning process? How do I get through it? Like, what did that feel like when you first transitioned over? Did did you have that too? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the biggest thing, going back to that five year journal, that was the unlock. And oh. on the inside of the book, I have this chart, and I didn't copy it over to this new one, but in the one that I use for my channel. I actually copied this chart over and the chart starts with it says your YouTube channel is more successful than you think. And it has the number of subscribers on the left. And then um, as it goes across, it has how many channels have achieved that band of subscribers and then what percent of YouTube channels that equals. And so it goes like zero, 100, 300, 500, 1000 you know, on and on. And when you, and, and so like, that was always sort of like, I was like, it made it easy to break up the milestones. So like, yeah, the silver play buttons a long way away when you first start, but getting to a hundred subscribers, not too bad. Like, okay, if I can, you know, get a subscriber a day for, you know, a third of the year, like I'll get there, you know? Um, right, right. And so it helped me kind of like break down kind of, it didn't make it feel like it was so far away to get to a hundred subscribers. And every day I would write on top, like how many subscribers and how many views or something I had. 
And, uh, and then I would write about like what I was working on and what I was trying and what was, you know, what was working, what was not. And it became more about this, uh, I think it's like a Buddhist phrase, but it basically is like, um, what do you do, uh, before you get enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. What do you mm. do after you get enlightenment, chop wood, carry chop wood, water, carry water. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, this is my chop wood, carry water. I'm going to just keep making videos and putting them out because ultimately like I'm not, I'm not getting monetized. I'm just, I'm doing something that I hope will be valuable for riders that don't know how to do this yet. And yeah. I'm trying to like offer something up to the, the universe. Right. Yeah. And so if I can, if I can focus on making helpful tutorials about something that doesn't really exist right now, and I can continue just being consistent with my output once a week, every single week, uh, the rest of it will, will kind of come together. And meanwhile, I was doing all kinds of research to understand like, how do I shoot? How do I edit? How do I put the right intro together? How do I think about thumbnails? How do I, you know, what are the topics I should be talking about? How should I position this stuff? And so I was always like chipping away at it, but everything has just been this constant, uh, iteration of like just getting like one percent better every video and just like what worked here what didn't work here this one got a good response this one didn't and what why you know and and always kind of questioning um my process and and all these different things <laughs> yeah terrace Ter said it right practice makes progress for youtube yeah <laughs> for youtube videos too <laughs> but like that was it there hasn't been like a big watershed moment where it was like okay, you did it right. Here's 50,000 subscribers. It's really just been like a couple at a time and a couple more at a time and a couple more people and a couple more people. Like I haven't had like an unlock where I had a video go to a hundred thousand and I got an insane amount. Like shorts are great and all, but uh, I mean, honestly, like it's just been about like, yeah, I don't know how many more videos I need to put out to get to a hundred thousand, but I don't care. Like if I got to a hundred thousand, I'm going to continue making bike videos i've got yeah. if i somehow end up getting a million i'm still gonna make bike videos like i it it doesn't really uh it i don't know like it it's it's really frustrating in the beginning because i've totally been there where you're refreshing your youtube studio and you're looking at like did i get a, another subscriber in the last like 15 minutes like no yes no yeah. and yeah. uh and then you hear people like porter who've got you know at the time over hundred thousand subscribers being like Oh yeah, turn off the notifications for YouTube Studio. Like I try not to look at it. And I'm like, what how? You know, like I yeah. I have to be like on top of all the data all the time. And over time I've been able to like let go of it a little bit. But for a while there, I was like on it. And the more I focused in on just like the the process of making video and then making another video that was even better and just finding like what can I improve? Even even recently, I mean, I'm at almost 80,000 subscribers right now. And in the last four videos, I feel like I've had a huge unlock in the way that I put together the introductions for all the videos. And I feel like I'm getting way better and way stronger, um, you know, with with just how they're they're put together. So, yeah, I don't know. No, that's good. That's that's really good. Um, yeah. I love that. It's like when you talk about anybody who's high performing, that's happy they all fall in love with the journey versus the destination. And if they love the journey, then that's the key, you know, cause you always hear about these people, they get there, they, they, they arrive and they're totally unhappy. They're like, this sucks. Like, 
yeah. did all that for this and now i feel the same you know so yeah it's, it's wonderful that you're looking at it like that and here you are helping people right now women's mtb network is saying thank you for the insight it's good to know i'm not crazy i'm not going crazy yeah. yeah yeah you're definitely not crazy or or maybe we all are and we just you know gluttons for punishment i don't know <laughs> but, but like if i had a billion dollars i would still ride my bike every day and make videos about it probably yes. um i don't think anything would change and and like it's not really i mean it's really it's awesome to to see the channel grow but you know i've been making bike videos for as long as i can remember and i don't really want to stop because i feel like there's always stories to tell there's always things to teach there's always things to share and um and it the subscriber number doesn't really change that it just shows how long i've been doing it i think that's a great a healthy outlook on it you're right and it's fun too because not only do we get to learn how to tell the stories we also get to learn different ways of telling stories for people who learn differently you know they're going to take a different angle from the way that you make it so there's, God, there's so many layers and so many ways to to peel this this banana and yeah. uh, and it's fun and we're lucky that we found something that we're passionate about which mm -hmm. is which is really good happy zebra is saying keep doing it because you love it yes <laughs> yeah mountain by q a says if i had a billion dollars i would make more i love creating yeah from a fellow cameraman right there and a podcast women's mtv network says i'm heading out thank you guys mia great to see you glad that you're on here um we have you for a few more minutes aaron um what do you think about talking about where you're going next now we talked about super rider mm -hmm. and what it has available to us uh kind of some of the things that are behind the scenes with possibly a collaboration there with red bull potentially um but is there is there something else that you're working on out there that you can share at this moment yeah, I've got I actually have two different things that I'm that I'm working on. So one of them is actually a newsletter related to Super Rider. And I just you know what I really loved was how Pink Bike used to do video of the day and you'd always get to see like photo of the day, video of the day. And <clears throat> I know they still post videos like somewhat regularly, but I always felt like the fact that they were curating like this is the one you should watch today. There was something special there. And I really kind of miss that element. And so I, I made a newsletter that's just video of the week. And it's just a curated thing where I'm like, this is my favorite video of the week. So I'm, I'm doing the work instead of having Pink Bike do it for me. But I, <laughs> I made this newsletter where it's um, it's like video of the week, something that I thought was just awesome and wanted other people to see. Bike video, not my bike videos. It's just other bike videos that I want to share yeah, out to people. Yeah. And then I'll put like a cool like crazy link from Instagram of like, did you see this? And then I'll give like a little blurb um, and, uh, and you know, about something that's happening in the, in the industry and then a skills thing at the end. So I've been trying to build out the, uh, this newsletter so that every Monday you get to work and you've got this in your inbox, just like one video to start the week and a few other little tidbits and stuff. And I'm really interested to see like, another way to just like share bike videos with people and share skills with people. I kind of put the skill at the end that way, like you get the fun stuff first and then you can think about skills later. Cause I know not everybody wants, you know, to practice and do skills and stuff, but I've been, I've been doing that for a couple of weeks now and, and um, I'm really enjoying it. Like just this process of, you know, I love making videos, but I also love sharing videos with, uh, 
with everybody. And so I've been working really hard on, on the newsletter. So there's a link in, I think all my videos now for, for signing up for that, but that's um, kind of a new way to like, even like put on creators that I think are, are kind of up and coming, you know, how to like get them out in front of more people and, and help them kind of shine. So I don't know if there's a whole lot of that going on in the bike world right now, but it's my, my contribution. That's really cool, man. And I'm looking at it right here. Yeah, you're right. Any one of the videos on Superwriter TV, if you go to the descriptions area and you hit more, you're going to see a way to sign up for that. And it's uh will be delivered to your inbox on every Monday. And that is live right now. So if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or here live with us on YouTube, you can definitely check that out. Sign up for that. I'm going to sign up for that too. I definitely love to, to challenge myself and get some skills going for sure. Yeah, it's just yeah. another another way, you know? Yeah, and see videos. I want to see that one dude that's like bunny hopping five feet. Good lord. Yeah. I'll Good put that lord. in. I'll put that in the newsletter uh on Monday. For this You'll Monday? Get, yeah, yeah, I'll put it, I'll put it in there. Cause I just think he's incredible and and so underrated and underappreciated. And yeah, I'm like his biggest fan for sure. But um, you see this guy ride and it doesn't look real, you know. <laughs> those, dude, those are the best because you have a chance to see them before they take off. And you're like, man, I found that guy beforehand, or Aaron showed me that guy before he got huge. And now he's like the mainstream guy, you know, he's the new Danny Mac. He is, yeah. I mean, he's incredible. Um, the other thing I'm working on is I, I started a second YouTube channel called Super Athlete, and all the athlete marketing stuff that I did with Red Bull. I wanted to find an avenue to kind of share out everything that I learned with, with that. And, and I've learned so much in the last couple of years making the YouTube channel and doing all that stuff. And, you know, I think like, um, with any luck within the next year, we'll get that silver play button. And the fact that at I'll be 44 next year and I'll, I'm still riding and able to build a YouTube channel in a community at age 44. I feel like if I can do that, then just about anybody could probably do it if they put the time and energy into it. And so what the goal is with super athletes is to be like an athlete marketing resource for Ooh. athletes of any sport, not just bike, but just like understanding that. So um, there's a podcast and then there's this YouTube channel that's just breaking down and the other side we're going to be doing on the podcast is like interviewing athletes from different sports and understanding, you know, breaking down their success or having a really honest conversation about like what hasn't worked for them and trying to share as much athlete marketing information out to other athletes that are out there of how to be content creators or how to build your career in a positive way that, you know, you're not reliant on a one to two year deal from a sponsor and you're subject to budget cuts from a brand new CEO like you really can build a real career into it. And so everything I've learned in the last, you know, 12 plus years of working at Red Bull and building content on YouTube and everything else, I just kind of tried to smash together in this, uh, in this new channel. That's going to be, Oh dude, I'm excited about that. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> in fact, you can go on iTunes right now and I believe super athlete, the trailer is there. You can go ahead and subscribe to it now listen to the trailer which is great it, it pretty much what you just said it it's so eloquent and, and there's a moment in there where you paint the picture of you had you you had the benefit of signing athletes but there was also the moments when you had to look them in the eye and say this journey with us is over at this point and you could see the dreams just kind of dashing away from their face but they do have the ability 
who make their own future, like through content, through YouTube, whatever the case is, they've got the talent. They can make it work if they just had someone to kind of coach them and, and kind of guide them. You know, those dreams don't die there with that conversation when they're leaving an organization or a sponsorship. And I think that's going to be so helpful for a lot of people. And I love that uh, your trailer touches upon that. And it's, it's, uh, dude, it's going to be awesome. So do you have a timeline on when that might come out when people can, I mean, people can subscribe now to that one. Yeah. So the, the podcast is out. Um, there's actually a second podcast up there. It's like how to get sponsored, but from the perspective of a sponsor. So okay. what's it like being on the other side of the table in a sponsorship negotiation, basically. Um, and then the YouTube channel is live as well. So it's just super athlete TV. Um, and I've got the first, so basically like the, 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 the channel trailer, there's basically a video version of that, uh, of that content. And so there'll be a little bit of, um, a lot of the content will be similar between the podcast and the live, but I also just recognize that like people sometimes want to watch it on YouTube and sometimes want to just listen to the, the insights and stuff. So yeah. trying to make it as widely available as possible just so that people can, you know, um, get the benefit of the knowledge. Basically that's all it really comes down to. I mean, all this stuff that we're talking about, it's like, how do you share knowledge with the maximum amount of people that can benefit from it? Yeah. Yeah. And with the robustness of the sport, it's like, God, it's the perfect time to be helping a lot of people out because there's so many people out there that are trying to figure these skills out, which is, uh, the timing is amazing, dude. You're going to help a lot of people, which is going to be fun. And I can't wait to see it because I got to see Super Rider when it was just in its infancy and it's now like in its stride. It's still a toddler and it's just going to go further. And I can't wait to see what Super Athlete does as well. It's going to be awesome. I think Mountain Bike Q&A out of Miami, they're staying up late tonight for you, Aaron, which is awesome. <laughs> says, Wishing Aaron nothing but more great success. Yes. Brad, thank you heck, so much. Heck yeah. Aaron, dude, it's been awesome to have you back on the segment. Look how far we've come so far. We're in the journey, man. We're doing it. It's definitely happening, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's so cool. Like, thank you for for having me back. And yeah, it's it's fun to think back. Like, I I still remember exactly where I was sitting, and uh, you know, that first podcast we did together. So it's cool to be, um, yeah, to fast forward to now. It's pretty wild to see all this stuff that's gone down. A lot of a lot of early mornings, a lot of late nights <laughs> editing, but we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing it. We've actually self-raised our hands and we're like volunteering to do this. We're going to take the the bulls by the horn and, and make a difference in, in the world through our, through our way, which is awesome. Us and all the folks here in the chat. Yeah. Um, for the folks that are here, thank you all so much for being here. Uh, Tara says, great to see you cross, cross ro rolling over to the segment. Thank you so much there. Uh, shout out to all your people. Happy Zebra, Mount by Q&A. God, we had a lot in here from Bentonville, Miami. We had New Zealand in the house, uh, Southern California, Northern California, Arizona was in here. If I forgot you guys, uh, please don't be mad. I just, I just really appreciate all of you folks that are here today. It's, uh, it's amazing. We had KD in here says my super writer merch arrived today. Makes me look like a way better writer when I bail. <laughs> <laughs> It is awesome. Uh, thank you all so much. And remember, like what Aaron and I are saying, just be in the moment, fall in love with that journey. Don't quit. You just never know when that break is or, or who you're going to impact. Keep cranking away one pedal down, get up that hill. And uh, when you do look around, Aaron and I will see you guys at the top. See you on the next episode.
cut, print, and process. That is it for episode 131 with Aaron Lutzi. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation we had with Aaron. If you guys ever want to jump on these, we do them live typically on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. And we are super interactive, as you can see from the from the show. And we're happy to answer any of the questions that you may have while we are doing the live interview. It is a fun, fun community that jumps on there every Thursday evening. So hope to see you guys on there if you get a chance. And if not, love the fact that you guys are downloading these audio format in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're consuming this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. And it helps keep the show going. The show is in 38 countries now, and it is just amazing to see. It's on the top 20% of Spotify. So thank you all so much. If you guys want to know more about Aaron or follow his journey, please do so. You can find the links in the description to follow him at Superwriter TV on Instagram, Superwriter TV on YouTube, also superwritertv.com for Aaron's website, as well as some of the people were asking about merch. You can buy merch there as well as sign up for the Superwriter newsletter. You definitely want to keep a pulse on what Aaron's doing because he's going to be doing some great things as we go along, especially when we look out in the five-year journey. Aaron is going to be doing things that is really going to show that practice actually really does make progress. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode, and I look forward to seeing you all back here on episode 132. And as always, Whenever you have an obstacle in life or a struggle, know that it's within you to get through it. And just like on the bike, it's always one pedal down to get to the next step, one pedal down, just like you eat an elephant, one bite at a time. Same thing here, one pedal down, one pedal down. And before you know it, you make it to the top and then you get to enjoy the views with your friends and enjoy some sweet, sweet downhill. So look forward to seeing you back here on episode 132. And as always, my friends, Bet on yourself because you'll always pay off.